Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwinipu, and this is episode 24. I'm joined by a first-time guest of this pod, of all of our pods. His name is Yesh. You can follow him on Twitter at MathKitBall. Yesh, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, for always good to have on new guests, uh, and it's always good to have on somebody. What a week to have you on as a Warriors fan, huh? <laughs> definitely been an, uh, an eventful week, let's put it at that. Yeah, no, definitely been an eventful week. Uh, before we get started, I do have to make an announcement. The Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod that we do every Friday. Pod Strickland. Uh, we usually don't have extended conversations about 50 Cent. Uh, You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that is hosted every other week by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug. There's also a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. You know what? Let's just start there, because we were going to talk about some Western Conference teams, and um, you know, I was going to ask you about them anyway. I-, I was actually worried about this Draymond thing like, before anything happened. And not just Draymond. I mean, you know this, obviously, but for those who don't know, like, the Warriors have basically four guys, key players that are all in a situation where they're up for new contracts, either this year or next year. And obviously with the entire luxury tax situation there where, like, they're paying $600 bajillion for the roster, uh, it seems like a situation where they're probably not going to be able to pay all of them. Uh, I... I, I'll be honest with you, I always just assumed, like, I think it's fair to say Draymond, if you disagree with me, if you, feel free to disagree if you, if mm-hmm. you want, but I feel like Draymond's the kind of, uh, Steph is obviously the the center of the universe, but Draymond gives them that kind of an edge that I just don't think they have without him. He's kind of yeah. like beating heart of the team in that way. Uh, so I just always assumed, like, you know, they would not like he would always be the one that they would they, they would always bring him back as one of them. Uh, I figured Clay would always come back also just because like those three are kind of you know the the guys who started it all or whatever. And I just thought they would make a decision between Poole and Wiggins, which I ultimately figured would be Poole because you have Kaminga and um, and Moody kind of waiting in the wings, right? 
<laughs> no pun intended. Uh, but I don't know. I think the situation is totally different now. And so I guess here's my my big question. Uh, you know, this is our exercise today. We're going to do big questions about these five different uh, Western Conference playoffs teams. So this one is on Golden State. Is is Golden State like? Can this, does this situation fundamentally change anything about what the expectations are for Golden State this year? I think in some ways it can. You know, the Warriors have. Uh, obviously, they've made a name for themselves with their talent, but the culture is really what brought them all together. And we've been seeing that in more prominence these last couple of years where they've drawn in like free agents just and, and all of them have spoken super highly of their culture and have said that that's what's drawn them in there. So, you know, with this whole incident, you know, it is pretty I don't think it's any anything to put aside. It was pretty significant in my eyes. So if it does end up sort of shifting the culture, if it ends up breaking any ties, you know, there is a chance, you know, that things fall apart. And, you know, typically that's the way uh, things go with, you know, elite winning teams. You know, there's always that an incident that sparks on a full on breakdown. Uh, You know, that's really what happened with the KD Warriors, uh, which again, Draymond uh, and this Warriors team were a part of uh, that. That's really what broke the team apart. So, if the culture of this team is broken, if there's any shift, then I could definitely see it uh, showing up in, in the win-loss column and uh, who ends up staying in this offseason and, and such like that. Yeah, um, I, I just... The Draymond thing is always so weird because I, I, I have like swung so violently back and forth on him, especially over the last two seasons. Um, and, like, I mean, you could... In a lot of ways, the the finals was kind of like a microcosm of this, where there's like four games to start the series where you're like, Draymond, are you gonna like, you gonna do anything here on offense? You know, like what what yeah. what's happening? And then you see those last two games, and it's like it, it's hard to to make sense of all that. I'm, I mean, look, I've you're you're in the midst of it, you know, as a Warriors fan. Uh, Warriors Twitter definitely has uh, a lot fought many Draymond wars internally. Oh yeah. Uh, I just, I really like, I really wonder about this and I don't know. I was listening to Simmons and Lowe, their pod yesterday about this. And I I thought Simmons brought up a pretty good point in that, like, it's like, do you want to commit to Draymond? And he didn't actually say this part of it, but this is kind of like my thinking on it is I feel like he's so even last year amidst all of his very well-documented offensive struggles, um, he's still giving you enough that that stuff and then like the, you know, the kind of explosive Draymond antics, whatever, it's all worth it because what he gives you, right, as like, he gives you that ceiling that mm-hmm. it's tough to replicate. Like, there's no other guy in the league, really, uh, who can do the things he does. And I, I'm that's not to say like, he's a top five player in the league or something, but he's just so uniquely perfect for this team, right? Like for Steph, for Clay, and his ability to to play, you know, defend both the four and the five. The five, obviously, like, that's the entire thing, right? Is he can, he unlocks that kind of crazy lineup for the Warriors, which was less important last year, actually. The Looney was awesome. Um, but, like, is he, 
like at some point that that calculus is changing and i feel like you know obviously 2014 2015 2016 those years of draymond were like unreal you know just absolute gold standard stuff and it's like since that time i feel like year after year after year there's you're getting a little bit less you're getting a little bit less you're getting a little bit less and i just wonder when at what point do you look at it and you look at the kind of like what it gives you versus what you have to deal with both off the court you know obviously this situation is probably more extreme than anything before this mm-hmm. um and then you know obviously like they're the kind of offensive issues with him and it's i don't know like if I'm the Warriors, it's tough. Like, you have to make tough decisions. This happens at the end of, like, any dynasty, right? Um, and I just wonder if they're like, look, maybe we don't get the same ceiling with... You're not going to... Like, not even maybe. You're just not going to get the same ceiling from, you know, whatever you do to... If you move on from Draymond. But, like maybe that's just the next step in your evolution that you have to take. And I just, I don't know. I, I just wonder, like, it, it's really hard to parse through because I just think there's a lot of moving parts here and a lot of factors to bake in. And then, like, there's also the fact that obviously they're super high on the young guys they've drafted the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Wiseman, who we can talk about a little bit later, I haven't been his biggest fan, but he has looked good in preseason this year. Um, Kaminga, who I wasn't high on pre-draft, but, like, I basically just watched him last year, and I'm like, I don't even think he knows what he's doing yet, and half the time he's, like, having awesome impact, so I don't know, like, what to make of this. Maybe he's just awesome. Uh, and then Moody, who I I just think is, like, such an easy guy to envision being there for, like, the next 10 years. Like, it just, there's no kind of difficult projection with him. But it's like, maybe, maybe you look at that, and you're like, you know what? Maybe we take a hit in the short term. But we think we can, with Steph still in place, and Clay. you know, hopefully he's a little bit more recovered after the Achilles. We keep these guys, we keep Wiggins, we keep Poole, and maybe what we have to do is give these young guys a little bit more runway, and that can extend our window, even if we have to take a short-term hit in the next year, maybe, by losing Draymond. And I don't think that happens this year, by the way. I think they will keep Draymond for the whole year. Um but I think it's something maybe you consider next offseason. I don't know. Like that, I know I just spoke very broadly for like five minutes, but uh, those are my thoughts. I don't know what, what you think about that. Yeah, I think a lot of that is definitely valid. You know, the Warriors definitely have a lot of factors to consider. Uh, you know, obviously the young guys are tantalizing and uh, very good, but uh, and the Warriors definitely want to transition towards them. But with that comes, you know, contract issues. Uh, you know, we talked about... Uh, the established guys, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, Poole being in line for major contracts. But, uh, you know, the young guys are due for extensions too. And those often will happen uh, sort of overlapping with the other guys' contracts. So it is going to be tough, uh, to say the least, in order if, you, if they really want to retain this group. And, you know, it'll take some uh, sort of out-of-the-ordinary move, I, I believe, on the players' part. Uh, so... It's like one of like Steph Clay Draymond taking an inordinate uh, pay pay cut in order to stay with the Warriors, allow the young guys to get paid, and, and so on. But uh, you know, just looking into the the, the caps and in the contracts going into a few years' time, I, I do think that uh, you know, as as much as I want the core three to retire together, as much as I want this team to remain intact as a fan, 
Uh, I just don't know if it's realistic. Yeah, I mean, I think Steph is, there's, he's, that's never, he's never leaving. Um, that's, that's the one guy I'm like positive will stay. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, my like very cynical thought when I saw all this go down and then obviously yesterday with the video leaking, uh, was, I was like, I was like, well, Jordan Poole is definitely getting his max contract now. Uh, because I'm just like, I don't know how else you kind of make it up to him or you're just like, yeah, well, this looks pretty bad. Maybe we'll just, we'll, we'll pay you, buddy. Um, but, I mean, I guess we can start, like, you know, maybe the real question, right, facing the Warriors is, like, does this Draymond incident just kind of give them, like, an out after a year where they could just be like, yeah, no, we can't, this is not tenable. And, I, like, look, I know Draymond said some, you know, whatever he said today about, like, he apologized to Poole and, you know, he obviously regrets his actions and all these kind of things. And I think, for somebody like Draymond to say that, he must know that he fucked up. Um, and I don't think it that should be taken lightly. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I really wonder how tenable this is beyond kind of like a last stand situation. You know, I, I just, I wonder if you look at this as management and you're like, look, it is worth it to keep this team together for this year. But like, it, it's, it, it's not going to work past this. Um, and you know, maybe you let Draymond go get his payday somewhere else. Obviously he's, uh, I'm sure he would love to play with LeBron. Just ask him. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like this incident almost feels like the beginning of the end of this kind of era. I, and I don't even know. It's like, it's such a weird thing to say because it also, it already feels like this is a different era from the KD era, which was different yeah. from the original era, but like this, this era that is bridged by these three guys, it does feel to me a bit like the Draymond incident allows you in some ways, allows management in some ways, a way to kind of just like wrap this up neatly. You know, uh, I don't know. I, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's definitely valid. Um, you know, an incident like this, like I said before, is pretty significant and, when negotiations do come around, uh, at whatever, whatever point after the season, it is definitely a, a something I believe that the management will consider and uh, will bring up, you know, regardless of Draymond's ties to this team and uh, the value he's had over the years. Um, so, you know, until more details come out, I really don't know where I stand on all of this, but uh, you know, this is something that, like you said, may very well mark the end. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I guess, like, look, we've talked a lot about this kind of broad stroke stuff. Let's talk a little bit about the team itself. Mm-hmm. Um, how are we feeling about, I mean, it's, it's it's so ridiculous to talk about this because of everything that just happened with Draymond, and you're just like, I actually have no idea what to think. Um, but, but like, what, I mean, I my thinking was, coming into the season, I was like, I think this team should actually be better than they were last year. Um, I just, like, You've got all these young guys who should be better. Like, Poole was already really good. I think he will be better, almost for sure. Yep. Uh, Moody is going to be in the rotation this year. I am I love Moody. I think he's such a solid player. He looked good in the playoffs when he did get put in the in the, in the games. I think he played some big minutes in the Western Conference Finals, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, um, like, Kaminga, I, I don't... I think Kaminga's still, like, a year or two away from consistently being a plus impact player, but he's going to play more this year. 
and he will be better. You know, like I just think those guys are all three of those guys are almost locks to be better. Wiseman is the big wild card. I did not love him coming out as a prospect. He's barely played the last few years. Um, and the one thing I always found weird about it, and like I don't want to do the whole they fucked up not taking LaMelo thing, but I just always thought it was weird because like when you think of the original ethos of the Warriors, right? Like this Curry and, you know, with staff and then Steve Kerr comes in, puts in all this like ball moving, player moving stuff. It is that like joy of playing and it is like moving the ball around and guys cutting and all this kind of pass and move stuff. And I just, and like up tempo, right? Getting on the open floor transition. And I just like, the reason I thought LaMelo should have been the pick was just like, I'm just like, yeah, yep. That dude, that dude does all of those things. Like that makes sense. But like, they wanted to get the big guy, which is fine. Like you need to evolve as a team. I just don't know how I feel about Wiseman. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on him specifically right here. Um, since you probably have watched whatever, you know, he hasn't played a lot, but you've definitely watched what he has played much closer than I have. Yeah. Uh, Wise is definitely a new dynamic to this team. Uh, he's definitely different from the big men that have uh, played with this team through this era. Uh, but I think that was also a part of the appeal for him, for the front office. You know, when he was first drafted, uh, and even before that, you know, the Warriors were heavily interested in him, especially like higher up, you know, uh, you know, upper front office, the ownership. They were especially interested in Wiseman because of this sort of new dynamic he brings this team. You know, his size, uh, his rebounding, uh, what he can do as a rim runner, shot blocker that was the whole appeal with him uh, you know that being said he's uh he is someone that you know with this current group and the system they have uh it is a little bit iffy integrating him into the system and that rift is what we saw in his rookie season where they're really the coaching staff uh, in my opinion was really uh trying to push Wiseman into something he wasn't quite ready for uh you know be making him that post hub, making pat or forcing him to make those passing reads that you see like a Draymond or a Kavan Looney make, um, you know, hitting guys uh, as a passer and making those instantaneous decisions, which for any rookie is difficult, but especially uh, someone who was as raw as Wiseman was coming out of uh, high school and college, it just was not a great fit for him in that particular season. Um, you know, that being said, you know, coming into this year, Coach Kerr has made it clear that. Uh, they they will try to bend the offense more towards Wiseman, uh, sort of play him to his strengths, allow him to play more traditional pick and roll, uh, you know, run to the rim, uh, give them that lob threat, and I think that will benefit both parties. Um, I think the Warriors' offense, though it has functioned without a, a lob threat or a rim runner, I think it could definitely benefit from one. You know, just someone who could serve as an outlet uh, at the dunker spot. And also make things easier for the guards. You know, pick and roll is uh, the name of the game today and for good reason. You know, guards are, or basically the way it functions is it gives the guard an automatic advantage playing uh, two-on-one with, along with the big man. And so, you know, opening up things for the guards is uh, also going to be critical. And I, I think it's going to end up benefiting most, both parties this season. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. 
to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Rightly, I've been listening to a lot of JID, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally just love the uh the the earbud tap functions. Those are really nice. Uh the awareness mode is also great because as soon as you turn on your little Bluetooth thing on the phone, it automatically locks in and uh let me tell you, I go on a run every single day. I can't hear anything uh, when I have these in. So, highly recommend, have enjoyed my usage of them. Uh, go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. 15. The the Wiseman dynamic is so interesting because like he's to get the value from him, like you don't take a big number two overall if you don't see them as like a potential offensive hub. That doesn't mean like uh you know you're gonna run like you know, you're not expecting point Wiseman or something, right? But but you want to be able to like throw him the ball on the block against an especially if he has an advantage or a mismatch, um, and let him go to work sometimes. I feel like that's to me like that's why I would pick a big man in that high in the draft. Uh, like, that, and that's actually a reason why I've really I just don't understand what Phoenix has done with Aiton. And like, I know he has his own issues, but I just think their development with him has been really weird. Where they were just like, yeah, just set screens for Chris Paul like six thousand times and don't do anything else. Um, like, they don't really run sets for him. Mm-hmm. And I just I wonder like. You know, because so much of Kerr's system is not like running sets for guys, but it's it's very free flowing, right? It's automatic reads. It's guys being able to like see what the defense, how the defense is covering them, and then um, you know adapt to that. It, you know, that's effectively he's running like a modern triangle offense in this in that in that sense. Um, these are not like automatic plays; they're reads um, that are automatic based on what the defense is doing. And you know, I'm just interested to see like how does a big man who presumably you're you want to feature more offensively as a scorer. Like I want, I just wonder how that fits into what they've been doing for Jesus. What is it like seven years now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. They, the whole development thing, win and development thing has its, uh, you know, it, it, there's a reason I feel it hasn't been uh, sort of in, in the mainstream throughout these winning teams. It's because, 
if you're trying to do one, you are sacrificing the other and, and to some extent. And, uh, you know, the stuff you talked about, it's definitely a part of Wiseman's ceiling. You know, he's uh, he does things that a lot of bigs can't do. You know, not, not many bigs can move as well as he can. Uh, he's really fluid with the ball in his hands and all of that whatnot. But it is really tough to integrate that within uh, a winning offense, especially as uh, raw as Wiseman is. Uh, but, you know, we'll, that's something that we'll monitor over these next few years as uh, the Warriors transition into a new era. Uh, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think about Kaminga? I think, like, uh, I, I don't know how, if you subscribe to this thinking or what, but thinking I've seen people. Sorry, say it again. Thinking basketball? No, no, no. Uh, oh, oh, no. Well, no, no. I, I was think I was talking more about like, uh, like this thinking. So this oh, line God. of thought mm-hmm. uh, that um, I've seen some people theorize that like Kaminga can play the Draymond role, which is I I think people don't understand what that means. It's like yeah. be an amazing all time great defensive player who like is this weird ass unicorn who just fits perfectly <laughs> with these guys on offense. Um, despite, you know, his inability to shoot or score or look at the hoop half the time. Uh, w- like, what is Kaminga's role moving forward? Is he a four? Is he a wing? Is he a five? Or is he just, you just let Kaminga do whatever Kaminga does? Yeah, it, it's difficult to say. Uh, you know, last season, the Warriors, uh, they figured out a way to integrate his strengths along with the offense. And, you know, a lot of that was uh, sort of filling their biggest need, which, again, was you know, rim pressures, sort of a, a, an interior finisher, vertical presence. And, you know, they utilize that, uh, you know, usually uh, sort of weaponizing him as a lob threat and a dunker. And, you know, when he had the ball in his hands, they ran some inverted pick and roll, you know, involving Steph Curry, Jordan Poole into the action and sort of integrating his downhill prowess into the mix. Uh, and a lot of that was with him, you know, sizing up and playing the four, uh, or, you know, the five we didn't see as much this season, but I think we'll see this year. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't playing the traditional three or uh, so even that point forward role that he was playing with the G League Ignite. Um, and, you know, that's sort of where I think he, he really, his draft stock kind of tanked because uh, mm-hmm. he was playing a role he wasn't ready for, even though he has some of the, the tangible skills. Uh, they only show up in flashes. So, you know, moving into this season, it's tough to say what, what role he'll play. You know, playing alongside Wiseman, I think uh, it'll have both its, its strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you know, those lineups we'll see a lot. And, you know, something I think uh, will de- definitely be a strength is when you run the Kuminga uh, as a pick-and-roll man, as a pick-and-roll ball handler, Wiseman, again, is the outlet. And he sort of, he'll sort of, I believe, uh, condition him to make the passing reads that uh, weren't available to him or just he didn't see last season. Uh, and so developing him as a passer uh, along with the whole downhill stuff will uh, will be key for him. Uh, but also, you know, Kaminga, as you mentioned, is not can't really shoot. Wiseman, again, uh, developing shooter. He, so putting those two along each other uh, hurts spacing and will make things tougher on Kaminga. You know, a lot of lineups he ran with last season, they were, they were spacious. He had a lot of space to operate. And you know that's something. Didn't we he play a lot of? Didn't he play a bit of five last year too? A little bit, I think. You know, my memory's tricking me, but uh, I think he did. And again, that was the whole intent was that for that was to uh, sort of remove his inability uh, of not being able to shoot um, mm. away from the offense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 
he's such a like freak athlete, and I just the defensive stuff with him is really where you know I think he can already have an impact, yeah. even though even on defense, like half the time he doesn't know what he's doing. But it's just like he's so big, and the way he moves, like he's really nimble. He's got these kind of like running back feet, just really good in in places that a guy his size shouldn't be good at. You know, mm-hmm. covering the perimeter out on switches. Um, like it, I mean, what, what do you see him as defensively? Is he a big, or do you like him more as like, cause I kind of have this thing thinking with him, like he might just be like an awesome point of attack defender. Um, and I just would like, I mean, I've seen flashes of it. He, if I'm not mistaken, they did have him on jaw a little bit in that series. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think he did a really good job actually. So it's, it's, and I know jaw is a little bit different cause he's like such a heavy, driver that it kind of to some extent it simplifies what you're asking him to do but like do you see him more as a perimeter defender or do you think like eventually this is a guy who's going to be you know doing more of like the traditional four or five Mm -hmm. uh interior rotations rim protection kind of stuff yeah i think last season like you said he he already made an impact defensively and much of that was playing the point of attack uh, you know, the Chicago Bulls game early in the season really st- stood out to me uh, of him showing out his defensive skills. Uh, you know, he really, uh, he was matched up with DeRozan a lot, someone who's big, strong, and uh, moves pretty well, and he ha- really held his own. Um, you know, he's just a hound on ball, like you mentioned, and uh, I think that's where the Warriors will sort of funnel his development defensively, him being at the point of attack. But also, he's he's super versatile, as we talked about. He, he's going to play a lot of roles within the offense or excuse me, the defense. So that's going to require him to make, you know, help reads, rotations, whatnot, which uh, he did do to some extent. Uh, he was, you know, everyone who played within the Warriors rotation last year, you know, if you play for Steve Kerr, you've got to be able to defend at a high level. And uh, that means at the team level. So he is someone that is, that made reads, but again, he's, he's young. He's going to have defensive lapses. Uh, he's not going to make every rotation. Uh, but, you know, within this, the defense, to answer your question short, uh, I think they're going to prioritize using him as a point of attack defender, uh, but he'll also have to sort of improve as a team defender as well. Yeah. Um, Moody, what do you think? Is he, are we talking about a guy that's like a 20-minute-a-night rotation player this year? Yeah, he very well could be ready to play right now. Uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, he's heralded as a, a 3 and D guy, and that's a lot of what he does. He's a good shooter. Uh, he's a very smart defender. You know, right now it's mostly in help as he's largely developing who he is athletically, you know, with lateral movement and, and balance and stuff like that. Uh, but he's someone that's a, sort of already a plug and play guy. Um, you know, I talked about the shooting, but he's also someone who's capable of putting the ball on the floor when he forces a closeout, making the right passing read. Uh, he also plays super hard whenever he's on the floor. Uh, he's, he's an, an awesome excellent rebounder. rebounder. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's awesome uh, and, at the other class. Exactly. And that's really what turned the tide for them in the Western Conference Finals, game two. Um, you know, him having that run of uh, playing good basketball is really what turned the tide for that game. And, uh, you know, with him being someone that Kerr likes, I'm, I'm definitely expecting him to get an earn a spot in the rotation this season. Yeah. I mean, he's just, I, I loved him as a prospect. I thought he's just like such a smart player. And it's, it's, He's not the most athletic guy. He's not going to be like, on a, you know, he's not going to have the greatest mixtape ever. But like, he just, he's such a, like, I, I just imagine him for the next three or four years. You know, Steph is what, 34. Mm-hmm. I think he probably has another three, four of like 
really star, star, superstar level seasons um, in him. And I know that's kind of insane to think about because he'll be, what, 37, 38? But he's just such a freak, like, in terms of his conditioning that I, I just, I, I buy that entirely. Um, but, like, I just, he's such an easy guy to just be like, yep, him next to Steph and Clay and it's, you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, you have Wiggins, you have Poole. Like, he just makes sense with all of those guys. And it's like, you know, with his rebounding, even even though he's he's well, like six five, I think he can play up to the three and maybe even at the four in some in some line against some opponents. Yeah, because his wingspan is crazy. He's got like well, like a seven two wingspan, I think. And yeah, like we talked about, his rebounding is just it's it's so it's so good for his size. And like really, when you play small, quote unquote small, one of the big things that I think a lot of people overlook is like you need your wings and you need guards, especially or strong rebounders. And like, that's one of the, that's a, that's another thing that I think Steph doesn't get enough credit for is like, he's a really good rebounding guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not getting like the, he's not getting the Westbrook rebounds. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I just think Moody, he just makes so much sense for like what the Warriors have traditionally wanted to do. And really like, there's not a lineup or situation I would look at and be like, Oh no, Moody can't play with such and such player. You know, like he's just he's gonna make sense next to anybody. Right. Um all right, look, I think we have talked about the Warriors plenty. Uh although final question, uh if Steph wins another one, are we uh are we shamelessly doing, you know, Steph greater than are we doing like Steph Michael Jordan comps? Are we are we doing that? Ooh. Well, in my eyes, Steph's already the goat. So <laughs> everyone can have their conversations next year once they win. But you know, to me, he's always going to be my goat. So, uh, yeah, I love Steph. He's I thought he was a top ten player. I thought he was like getting into the top ten all time. It's trending that way. Mm-hmm. The fourth chip definitely puts him in that conversation, um, or not in the conversation. I think he's just firmly in it. And you know, after LeBron, I don't know who else. I, I don't think there's any debate over like who is kind of the other face of the, of the era. Uh, he's just such a spectacular player Yep, and I love him. Um, he's the best shout out Donnie Walsh for not trading up to get him. Uh, all right, let's move on to happier thoughts. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Minnesota Timberwolves who are, I think they're one of the most in- interesting teams in the league. They, they basically made their all in move. Like they're, they don't have any other picks to trade now. Um, this is their core team, right? This is the guys they've committed to. And so I guess the big question for Minnesota is, are we sure they didn't jump the gun here? Because I feel like they jumped the gun. Yeah, uh, they definitely sort of, you know, this was their move. This was their move for the probably the next few years as well. You know, they threw in a bunch of assets. They knew Rudy was our guy. And, Honestly, I'm all for it. You know, I think the Wolves showed enough last season as a young team that's trending towards the right direction. And that's honestly what you want to see as, you know, front office management. Before you want to make that big splash, you want to know that your team's trending in the right direction. And I think that's exactly what Minnesota showed them. And, you know, Rudy's someone uh, that is going to change the trajectory of their team in a couple of different ways. I know we'll talk about this, uh, I'm sure, in these next few minutes. Uh, but, you know, the move for me, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I think it's, you know, sort of spearheads Ant's development in the right direction, giving him that 
rim runner, that lob threat. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't think the Wolves go anywhere without Ant developing into that superstar. Uh, and, you know, regardless of if they jumped the gun or not, that wasn't going to change. And, uh, you know, frankly, I, I think this was the right time for them. Uh, I, I think Rudy fits well with their core, and so I'm, I'm a fan of the move. Yeah, I so when I say jump the gun, it's not that I I love that they went for it. Like I think I think sometimes so like it, it's so weird because I have commended the Knicks for not going for it with like trading for Donovan Mitchell, but it is more about like I don't know if the Knicks the Knicks don't have enough knowledge of like what their young players can and will be to aggressively bet on them like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I don't think the Knicks, or yeah, the Knicks should have done the Donovan trade. I'm ex- actually extremely happy they didn't do it. Um, and watching their first two preseason games, I feel like really good about just the, this year's team anyway. Um, but like Minnesota, right? So they, they get into the playoffs. What did they win last year? Like 47 games? Is that right, I think? Uh, something like that, yeah. They were yeah. the six seed. Yeah. So like they, they had a nice season uh and is his second he was in his second year he makes like a pretty significant scoring leap not just in terms of efficiency but also volume and when you see those two things together especially for kind of a second year wing who in a lot of ways is he still has so much easy stuff to clean up like just shot selection alone will probably improve his efficiency and his production um but like he's a absolute load you know when he gets when he decides to go downhill it's it's over like it's just there's not guys that can stay with him and even if you do stay with him then he just like hits the truck stick and you're out you're you know you're flying 15 feet um so i'm i'm with like all of you know they're trending upwards and all that stuff uh and i i like Jaden mcdaniels i think he's a good player i i feel like there's a (laughs) there's like Jaden McDaniels is really good, and I think there's a lot of like dismissal of him from non Wolves fans. But I also think there are Wolves fans that are a little bit too hyped about him, <laughs> um, just to say the least. <laughs> but like he is a really good player. He's a his size obviously opens up a lot of lineup possibilities for you, so that's always great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just like the thing I don't love about the Rudy Gobert trade is this. So you are committed, your core three guys, and maybe if you want to say, if you want to throw D'Lo in there, core four guys, but like two of the, these guys are big guys, right? So it's Cat and it's Rudy. And you are committed now to playing them together large minutes, which, by the way, I'm not against, okay? I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. What I'm a little bit concerned of, though, is like regular season Wolves, I think they might win 55 games. I think they could win 60 games. It would not surprise me. Like Rudy Gobert is a regular season wins glitch. Uh, and Ant and Cat are just absolute offensive fucking superstars. Like, they, they, you're going to score a shit ton of points and your defense is going to be way better because not only do you have Rudy, but, like, as we talked about, Jaden McDaniel's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like. I think Anthony Edwards showed a lot defensively when he's locked in. Like, they have enough defensively there. It'll be better than Utah. Like, their defense will be better than Utah's defense has been for a long time. Uh, which is saying a lot because Rudy Gobert somehow managed to make that a good defensive team. Um, I'm with all that. What I worry about though is like we've seen this in the playoffs. Like two bigs, are they going to be able to stay on the floor? And you know, 
it's not just that you're paying Rudy Gobert. It's also, like, the resources that you made to go get him. I just, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit concerned about, like, you had all the success last year, and I understand maybe, like, we all know Cat at the Five, his defensive issues are well-documented. Um, so I'm for, hey, we need to try Cat at the Four and get a Five. I just think it's a little bit, it's not a, it's a lot bit risky to make your all-in push for Rudy without really testing out any proof of concept of, mm-hmm. like, how does Cat look at the four with this type of defensive rim-running big guy, and is that something that's workable, you know, if we're trying to build out a contending team? That's not to say it can't work. I'm just concerned that, like, you know, they just went for it. There was no, like, oh, well, we'll try it with, like, I don't know, Yusuf Nurkic for a year, and if that looks good, then we can, you know. And I yeah. get, like, you can't... Sometimes you, you just... Rudy was moving this offseason, right? So, like, if they wanted Rudy, they had to go get him now. I just wonder, like, if that's going to come back to haunt them. Uh, because, like, the next two, three years, they'll be good. They'll win a lot of games. I think they can make a Western Conference Finals. Maybe they can even make a Finals run. Hell, maybe I'm wrong, and they're going to win a championship. I don't know. But I... The back end of that deal is concerning, and... I'm not entirely sold that the front end is going to prove to be worth it. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.